service. Amen. If you will stand with me, turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 to 33. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 to 33. It says it like this. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people will be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went with up him went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want to just talk to you for the next few moments about the power of your perspective. Amen. I wonder if you just pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I pray that as it goes forward today, let it be, Lord, for each and every heart and every mind. And as we receive it, as we hear it, God, as we will believe in what you have spoken today through our brother this morning, Brother Bryce. Oh, God, I pray that you will minister as you desire and as you want to lead in this service continually, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, we pray. We've seen this story. I know many of us have heard this story before. These men that were chosen to spy out the land of the promised land. Bible tells us that each of these men were rulers, one from each of the 12 tribes. And so they were not just ordinary men. They were recognized by their peers as, as being a great leader. And so you could see that it was probably a great honor to be chosen by Moses to be a part of this powerful group of men who would go and get that first glimpse of the promised land. And so these men would go, they would see, would explore the land and bring back a report to the entire nation. And Moses, before they went, he said, instructed them to see what the land was like, to see whether the people were strong, are they weak, are they few, are they many? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they have? Are they, are they unwalled? Are they fortified? How is the soil there? Is it fertile or is it poor? But he instructed them in the scripture, he said, do your best to bring back the fruit of the land because the Bible said it was the season of the first ripe grapes. And so what he was essentially saying to them was, he said, you're going to get that first taste of the promise that we have all uh, so desired to have. So bring us back a little bit of taste of the promise. I was thinking about that as your pastor said, let it rain this morning. You know, sometimes we just ask God to let the promise rain a little bit down on us. Let it just trickle down so we can have a little bit of taste of that promise that you so promised us. We, we hear in the scripture where the Bible says that in the last days he will pour out of a spirit upon all flesh. Lord, let it rain that promise down on us and let us feel and experience a little bit of that taste of what you so promised us that we were going to have. But looking back at the scripture, what these men did not know was that in that moment, this would be a test more than anything of their perspective of God and his promises and a test of their outlook on life. Little did they realize that this assignment would be the defining moments of their career, how they perceived and how they spoke about while they were on assignment would determine their personal destiny 
and that of a nation. You never need to underestimate what you speak out of your mouth because sometimes we think it's only our opinion that we are saying. But when you hear the word of God, when you hear it preached, it's not just for one person, but that word of God that goes forth will not return void. It will change more than just one person. It is spoken into existence and it will not come back empty. It will go forth and change nations. That's why we talk about revival in our churches, revival in the world. And when we hear about those promises of God there's got to be people of faith that say I believe there's got to be people that say the word was spoken it will return unto us God will do what he promised us he will do so these men had 40 days of viewing the abundance of the land that flowed with milk and honey passed by 40 days of marveling at the richness of the soil the purity of the water the abundance of the crops 40 days of measuring the strength in the cities and the villages of the enemy. And now this time has come to give their perspective, the whole things to the ears of those who wait with great anticipation for the return. And this is what they told me, said, we came to the land whither thou sent us. Surely it looked good. It floweth with milk and honey. And here is a little taste of it. But nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And we saw the children of Anak there. Now notice today their perspective, how they magnified the negative and how they said the land eats up the inhabitants and all the men are of great stature. Notice how they said it was, it was too hard to go into the promised land instead of saying that is the promise before us, let's go get it. They said that word nevertheless. In the midst of agreeing with what Moses told them to go take, he didn't say come back with a negative report. He just said bring back a good, bring back a report so we can get ready to go. And instead these 10 men got up and they said, nevertheless, those that dwell in the land, they are too big. They are too strong for us and they are too great in stature. And so it is that it seems like it's human nature in our lives to always allow the negative a voice in our lives. We allow the bad news to consume us and then we enlarge upon it. And so it is that we can have a Sunday morning service and the power and blessings of God can flow. But let somebody come into church and have a, a problem or something that maybe has consumed our lives. And it seems like that natural tendency is to reflect on the negative. We saw the giants and we were as grasshoppers. Now, I don't understand this statement in the word of God where it says we were grasshoppers. But I tell you, when when I come to church on a Sunday morning, I do come with a little bit of baggage. I come with the weight this morning that we want to get back to the UK and Channel Islands. I, I honestly, transparently this morning come to church and sometimes I just wish, could I be preaching from the pulpit that is the church I pastor? Sometimes I come with that baggage in my mind and say, thank God for brother and sister Rice and this church here in Sparta for allowing us to come and share a burden. But sometimes I just say, Lord, I want to be somewhere else. And some of you have come this morning and as I was praying, I sensed the need uh, of recovery for some people struggling with depression in their lives. Some people struggling with some sincere health issues and some people struggling with some sinful natures and things that you struggled in your life. And you carried that baggage here into service. But the promise of God has gone before and the word has already been spoken as it was spoken so eloquently this morning by our brother and talked about we need to understand that everything that we need is right here in the house of the Lord, right here in the presence of God and the promises and the abundance and everything that God has for us as a people is right here in this service. 
Don't ever lose interest in what God has already prepared for you. David said, thou hast prepared a table before me in the midst of my enemy, in the midst of my trouble, right in the midst of this whole world. There's a lot of people around you that probably don't like you, probably want to do harm to you. Some that just don't want to be around you. But God says, I prepared a table right in the midst of your enemy, right in the midst of your struggle, right in the midst of all the things that you're facing. And I've got promises before you, but don't cast them aside. Believe in them. Yet we become a people that say, nevertheless, did you see so-and-so? Did you see what they were doing? Did you see how big my bill was? I remember those days where the mail would come in, you'd throw it away. Hey, I don't even want to look at it. It's too big. I don't like it. Don't look. It never worked that way because you still had to look at it anyways. And it was still as big as you thought it was. You got to deal with it. Problems rise. Things come. But you know what? We serve a great big God. And as we heard the word today, I, I feel the Holy Ghost in saying this. But God needs to give some of us some fresh eyes today to start looking at some things differently. We need to understand the power of our perspective. When you look at the promises of God, there should never be the word nevertheless in your, in your, in your mind, in your prayer, or in your spirit when you speak about the promises of God. We should always say, if God said it, it will happen. If he promised it, it's going to come. Come on, somebody. Are we apostolic today? If God said you're gonna, he's going to bring revival to this church and that people are going to come in on a Sunday morning and they're going to be filled with the Spirit and they're going to come from every nation, every tongue, would you believe it this morning? If God says I'm going to bring my word to every nation, every tongue across the world, would we believe it this morning? I want to believe it with all my heart. I want to know that God's promises are yea and amen. Hallelujah, I've got nothing but faith in my mind about what God has said he was going to do. Just a little over 10 years ago, the Lord called us. I called my wife, she was obviously there, but had a time of, of respite in here in the States and worked under some leadership in a different area. And when we both went back there, we felt that God was truly wanting to do something. Let me tell you what I felt so earnestly in my spirit, that I felt an abundance of heaviness, of weight of all the people. I saw. I would look at people on the street and I would say, my God, help them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Do something. Now, probably none of them ever came to church. The ones that came to church were the ones that came because they felt the pulling and the Spirit of God drawing them. But as we felt the abundance of that burden, we walked in that calling that God had placed on our lives. Along the way, about maybe about eight years ago, got really discouraged about some things that were happening. The church that we now pastor just for the last three years has been a church there in the city of Glasgow for 34 years. 2.1 million people, and that's the only church we have in that one city. There's another city uh, called Manchester, where we where you probably heard of all the bombings. It's one of the most Muslim-populated cities. And in that city, we've had a church there for 20 years that's probably got about 11 people in it. How discouraging would that be for you if on a Sunday morning you kept coming to church and seeing the same things over and over again? And you said, God, where is the promises? What would your perspective be about all those things that God has so promised to you? It wasn't but about five years ago we started changing some things that we were doing. Said we're not just going to keep on doing the old things. We need to do some th things that the Lord is really leading us to do. About three years ago we were running 65 to 70 on a, on a Sunday morning. And we said, God, we're not satisfied with this. We started doing some things that were led of the Spirit, praying and going back to the things that the Word of God has led us to do for revival over time. Not trying to invent the wheel. And all of a sudden God began to do certain things in our lives 
in our lives in our church, people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't uncommon that on a, on a yearly basis we'd see about 10 get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Last year before we left to come over here on June 6th, by the first six months of that year, not even the full first six months of the year, we already had 24 baptized and filled with the baptism of the Spirit of God. Whereas on a normal year we would have 10. Let me also tell you what God has done in the last three years. We've gone from 65 to 70 on a Sunday morning, whereas we have 165 chairs out in our sanctuary and 163 of them were filled with people sitting in those chairs on a Sunday morning. It wasn't because we just said, God promised these things and we're just going to let him do the work. There was people that got up of faith and said we're going to believe that God spoke it and if he spoke it over the city we're going to believe that it's going to come to pass and we're going to cast our eyes and we're going to believe with faith and we're going to say God if you said it you will perform it in our midst. People got up and started crying out just like in the story that we read this morning here and I know I've just hit my 50 minutes a couple more minutes and I'm done. But here we see in the midst of all this negativity, there was a man of God, Joshua, the son of Nun, who tore his clothes and he said, the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I'm wondering this morning in the midst of promises, and I, I feel in the Holy Ghost, there's some promises on families. This is what I feel the Holy Ghost saying. There's some of you here this morning where God has said, I'm going to bring your family members to church and you've not yet seen it and you, you've lost hope in your prayers and you've lost hope in your faith. And you said, God, when? When is it going to happen? Some of you where God says, I'm going to use you as a great witness in the city. I'm going to use you a witness in your job. And it's not yet happened, but you're saying, God, when? God is here to restore those promises this morning and re renew your faith. If you would just say, the Lord is with me, I will fear not. I will fear not. Now, when we see this story in the Bible, there's nothing that records or suggests that Joshua or Caleb were any greater than these other 10 rulers of the tribe of Israel prior to the story. But what can cause that same experience that would catapult Joshua and Caleb into God's hall of fame and to be remembered through the word of God with respect and honor throughout the ages would dropkick those other ten into God's nameless hall of shame. I ask you a question this morning. Is there anyone who can recite the name of those ten spies without looking at your Bible? I've read the Bible plenty of times and I still cannot remember their names. I still have to look over and try to remember those, those names that went over into the promised land. The reason is that those same men were not remembered or with respect and honor throughout the scripture and the word of God is because they had a negative attitude about the promises of God. I don't mean to be dark and doomy this morning, but let me tell you, when God promises you something, he wants you to believe it. Some of you have come here this morning, just like your pastor was saying and said, well, how do I get this Holy Ghost? How do I receive the blessings of God? It's really a lot easier than we think. We come up here and we say, God, I surrender to you. Forgive me. Remove every sin, blot, and uh, iniquity in my life. Just remove all those things and say, tell the Lord I need you and begin to worship him with praise. And I've seen God fill many people with the spirit just on those simple, simple requirements. It's that easy this morning. And I look across, across this congregation. I don't know any of you, but I see a lot of need in this place. And God wants to fulfill that need. He just wants you to believe that he's able to do it. My brother, when you, when you talked about scripture, scripture that retire, we, we retire scripture quicker than, than, than it should be retired. We hear uh, like Acts 2.38. And Peter said, them, repent, be baptized, everyone. Well, we heard that before, pastor. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, we've heard that before. By his stripes, we're, well, we've heard that before. And it's lost its meaning and its value. 
But there's nothing that is said in the word of God or nothing that is spoken to us over this platform or through a man of God that should ever be put aside or cast aside because it's all got value and meaning and it's all promises for what God is truly wanting us to do. I tell you, there should be a Sunday where we come to service and, and, and everybody that's here today, maybe you can practice this the next service you have. But next Sunday you come into service, some of you ought to get up and say, come on, pastor, what's the promises of God today? He didn't speak to me. Did he speak to you? Somebody ought to get excited and say, come on, brother and sister, saint of God, what has God spoken to you? I want to be a part of the Yes, he's doing this. He's going to move in this area. Okay, let me help you. I want to be a part of your promise. Let God work in my life. There ought to be something that quickens us in our spirit that says, come on, God, I need you to work. And we're here to have God move in our lives. But we got to be excited. And most of all, we got to believe in it. Clap your hands under the Lord today. The simple essence of this is that we just got to have faith. Because when it comes to faith, we just got to believe and say, God, you spoke it. It's going to happen. What does faith do? Faith casts our line out into the deep. And it catches hope. But we've got to get every word of unbelief, every word of doubt, every word of fear out of our hearts and our minds. And in the scripture, we see that some saw the promised land as a place of sure defeat and torturous death. Some even prophesied and predicted it would be so. But there was a few of those people in the midst that saw it as God's gift and the most promising land in the world. It was a matter of their perspective. Don't let yourself stand in the way of all the things that God is going to do. You see, the biggest enemy today that defeats our perspective. It's not your brother. It's not your sister. It's not even your situation. It's not what you're going to go through. It's not what you're going to struggle with. It's yourself. It's this person, this body. I'm telling you here today, God can fill every one of us again with his spirit. And I want to, I want his spirit just to wash over me. I want to be in this altar. I'll tell you what, this, this man of God needs a refreshing from the Lord today, just as much as everybody in this place. I want God's spirit to wash over me every service I'm in, every time I get down in prayer. But God can fill many people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He can fill as many as those that want it today. You just got to say, God, what if somebody's looking at me? God's saying, it's not about them. It's about me and you. God, what if, what if I don't get it today? Don't think like that. Just believe that God will do it in your life. Don't worry about the, 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 the qualms or the quarries about how you're going to do it. Just come up here, lift up your hands in the presence of the Lord and say, God, I'm here. I need your promise upon my life today. Because the greatest promise that we will ever be promised as a people is not just that he's going to heal us, touch us in our body, bless us financially. Those are great things. But the best promise that we'll ever receive is the promise of his spirit. Because when I have a spirit upon my life, I know that there's nothing that's too impossible. I know there's nothing that I can't go through that I'm not going to be able to make it through. I know that God's going to help me. I've seen hunger and people on the field, but we're on the field and there's people that will come in. I've seen people that will smell so bad that will clear a back section. Now we've come to a place that everybody just sits by everybody. You know what? It's, it doesn't matter. I've seen people coming off the street, people that are homeless. They'll come in on Sunday morning and they're so hungry and they say... <laughs> I need a change in my life. Problem is today, a lot of us, we have too much. We think we don't need God. I don't want to ever come to a place in my life where I say, well, I've got this and I got that, but I don't need him. That's why the old song says, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take everything, but give me Jesus.
I want his promises this morning, amen. But I want the promise of his spirit to fall in this place. Well, God has promised some of us the healing that has already took place. God is going to do that right now. And if you're so hungering and desiring in your heart, you want to taste the promise of God today, I know he will fill you. You just got to step out in faith and say, God, give us a fresh perspective today.